Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. Also streaming worldwide at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 365. Today's topic is dirty extraction for clean vehicles. The idea is that these clean vehicles and the clean energy is not as clean as they say they are. We'll be focusing on a proposed project, a proposed lithium mine in a place called Thacker Pass in Nevada in the United States. I know you're supposed to say Nevada. I'll be drawing from the following sources, NPR, Inside Climate News, The Guardian, Reuters, International Energy Agency, Wikipedia, The Last Real Indians, the Nevada Independent, and the website of a company called Lithium Americas. Reading from an article from The Guardian from June 14, 2021, it says, Across the global lithium frontier, from Chile to the western United States and Portugal, environmental activists, indigenous communities, and residents concerned about the threats to agricultural livelihoods are protesting over what they see as the greenwashing of destructive mining. Indeed, natural resource sectors, which include extractive activities like mining, are responsible for 90% of biodiversity loss and more than half of carbon emissions. One report estimates that the mining sector produces 100 billion tons of waste every year. Extraction and processing are typically water and energy intensive and contaminate waterways and soil. So what we're getting at here is that mining is dirty. Mining pollutes water. Mining is, causes deforestation. You have to build roads. And mining is carbon intensive because it takes a lot of fossil fuels. You'd think that these things are balanced against the so-called clean status of electric vehicles. But what they're doing here is proposing that lithium be extracted from the ground because lithium is a main ingredient in lithium ion batteries, which is not the only battery technology, but is thought to be the -the state-of-the-art battery technology because lithium is somewhat lightweight. So what's going on in Nevada? According to the Nevada Independent, in an article titled The Fate of Thacker Pass, it says the debate over the Thacker Pass mine has become a focal point in a national conversation about how the administration, that is the Biden administration, should balance sometimes competing priorities, bolstering the supply chain for an energy transition away from fossil fuels, protecting biodiversity, and advocating for environmental justice. Our lands are being desecrated, our water and our way of life, said Arlen Melendez, the chairman of the Reno Sparks Indian Colony. Regardless of what the judge's decision may be today, it's not the end, it's the beginning. This is a fight that's going to go on. He's talking about a decision that occurred earlier this year in which the fate of the 
Thacker Pass is being decided upon by a federal judge who is a, an Obama appointee. The Obama appointee is Chief Judge Miranda Dew, according to Reuters from January 5th of this year. Miranda Dew of the federal court in Reno, Nevada, who held a nearly three-hour hearing on Thursday to review allegations from ranchers, environmentalists, and indigenous groups that the mine would permanently scar a region home to wildlife and key water sources for livestock. So let's go to Wikipedia to get the lowdown on what's happening with Thacker Pass. It says, the Thacker Pass lithium mine is a proposed lithium clay mining development project in Humboldt County, Nevada, which is the largest known lithium deposit in the United States and one of the largest in the world. The project site would cover 18,000 acres, that's about 30 square miles. At full capacity, it would produce 66,000 tons annually of, of lithium, equivalent to 25% of the current demand for lithium globally. That's, you know, current means, you know, 2021, 2022, uh, but just because it supplies 25% of the global demand currently doesn't mean, it, I mean, that percentage is going to go down as the demand for lithium goes up because of all the you know, electric cars being built, all of the other applications of lithium ion batteries, such as grid scale storage. It says the mine is owned by Lithium Nevada LLC, which is owned by Lithium Americas Corp. So who owns Lithium Americas Corp? One, uh, the largest shareholder is a Chinese company named Ganfeng Lithium. And another major investor is General Motors, which announced it would invest $650 million in the mine project. And in exchange for that $650 million, one of the things they get is, is uh, not only a certain share of the profits, but also the first phase of lithium production. According to NPR, the proposed mine on Thacker Pass, a remote slice of federal land near Nevada's border with Oregon, is seen as a key toward boosting domestic electric vehicle production. But a group of West Coast Native American tribes considers the land sacred and are, stop, uh, are suing to stop it. It's interesting to me that this article from NPR strenuously avoids two things. One, it strenuously avoids a class analysis. It, it's strictly couched in terms, uh, in, in racial terms, like one racial group uh, dominating another racial group, and that's very important. But if you if you tell the story as if that's all it's about, then you're missing an important part of the story. So this is how, one of the ways the media misleads us. They tell the story without telling the whole story. They tell the truth without telling the whole truth or a balanced version of the truth. Another thing that NPR in this story strenuously avoids is a critique of electric vehicles. Like, should we be spending all these resources 
polluting all this water, using all these fossil fuels in order to extract lithium for batteries for electric cars. Is that a thing that we should be doing? Should we doing we be doing as much of it as we do? Should we be doing less? NPR stren- strenuously avoids that angle. But they do quote the attorney for Lithium Nevada Mining Company. Laura Granier, an attorney for the Lithium Nevada Mining Company, said Congress also required the Bureau of Land Management to prioritize developing critical minerals needed for the transition to lower carbon energy. In other words, we're trying to do a good thing for the planet here, so get off of our backs. She went on to say, uh, we are talking literally thousands of jobs, Your Honor, literally tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in economic development and in tax revenues. So, of course, the attorney for the company is going to argue for the benefits of this project. She's just doing her job, but NPR is reporting on this in the tired lame framing of environment versus jobs. And they're not critiquing a bigger picture of should we even be going here? Should we even be having this conversation? And for that matter, is all this lithium good for the environment in the final analysis in the big picture? This is Hart Hagen. You're listening to The Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. So Inside Climate News actually does some good reporting on this story, some good critical reporting. Instead of just saying, oh, we need clean vehicles, and they're clean because we say they are. And yeah, there's some mining that goes on, and that pollutes the water, but these are necessary sacrifices. It doesn't say that as I would expect. They kind of go a little bit hard uh, in a critique of the whole enterprise. Inside Climate News says, resistance to Lithium Americans' plan to dig an element critical to the energy transition at Nevada's Thacker Pass shows that, quote, clean, unquote, energy could face the same challenges as fossil fuels. The opponents view lithium extraction as the latest gold rush and fear that the desperation to abate the climate crisis is driving a race into unavoidable environmental degradation. The flawed assumption behind the clean energy transition, in quotes, they argue, is that it can maintain levels of consumption that are inherently unsustainable. And that's what I'm saying. The so-called green energy transition is just, you know, it's not even going to do the job, but the idea is to maintain levels of consumption that are unsustainable. Kudos to Inside Climate News for even saying the quiet part out loud. Now it's quoting Max Wilbert, whom I'll be interviewing very soon. He says, we want people to understand that clean energy is not clean, Wilbert said. We're here because of our allegiance to the land. It is not to cars. 
It's not to high energy modern lifestyle. It's to this place. In other words, we are loyal to this place. We are loyal to the water and the wildlife in this place. We are not loyal to a high energy lifestyle. The article in Inside Climate News goes on to say, Troubles around the Thacker Pass mine echo global conflicts over mineral extraction for renewable energy that are almost certain to grow with the world's transition to clean energy and its rapid electrification of the transportation sector in particular. So what does Lithium Americas have to say about this project? What does the website say? Lithium Americas is the company that owns the mine. So obviously they want this to go through and here's what their website has to say. One thing it says is that we're going to create 1,000 jobs during construction. Jobs, jobs, jobs. A lot of times they don't even create the jobs they say they will. They're temporary jobs. They bring people in from outside. But we have become accustomed and conditioned and indoctrinated into this idea that says we depend on the economy so we have to keep the economy healthy. It's half true. Yes, we do. we depend on the economy such as it is. It doesn't mean it's the only way we can do an economy and it doesn't, you know, the economy is like jobs and inflation and the stock market, and unemployment. These are thought to be the economy, and we are thought to depend on the economy, but it's only that way because we have decided that it is, or that has been decided for us. But companies that want to pollute and do other bad things, like you know, virtually enslave people, Companies that want to do that are always saying jobs, jobs, jobs. They don't say anything about profits. They say something about jobs. What else does the website of Lithium Americas have to say? It says 40,000 is the number for the, the tons per year of battery quality lithium that will be extracted. So 40,000 tons sounds like, hey, this is a productive mine, but we need to say, we need to notice that you have to dig through a lot of dirt to get to the gold. When you dig through the dirt, you make a mess. When you dig through dirt, it becomes toxic water. So they're saying in phase one, we're going to produce 40,000 tons per year of battery quality lithium. And in phase two, we're going to produce 80,000 tons per year of battery quality lithium. And this, the mine life, they say, is 40 years. This thing's going to be in operation. The average annual earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization is $1.18 billion. And then the net present value of this whole enterprise is $4.95 billion. And one thing about this is that under mining law, the Mining Act of 1872, the federal government is obligated to let mining companies come in and exploit 
this. They're, they're, you know, it's, it's not as if the federal government is representing the interests of the people. The federal government is just saying, come in and rape the land because we're, we've still got this 1872 Mining Act on the books that says we the people have to give away our resources to mining companies for a song, for a song. That doesn't sound like it benefits the majority of people, even from an economic standpoint, let alone the environmental issues. And we're racing down this road uh, without being told really what the real deal is. And the reality is we're not even going to have enough minerals for the first proposed build-out. According to Dr. Faith Birol, executive director of the IEA, that is the International Energy Agency. She says, today, the data shows a looming mismatch between the world's strengthened climate ambitions and the availability of critical minerals that are essential to realizing those ambitions. There's a mismatch between our ambitions and the minerals needed to realize those ambitions. There's a gap between what is proposed and what is needed. But we're going to move forward anyway. We're going to charge full steam ahead, and all of this is heavily subsidized by the taxpayer. Subsidies means we're distorting market realities. Subsidies means we're taking something that is unaffordable, and we're making it affordable only because we are picking up a good portion of the tab. So I've got about nine minutes left. Let's talk about what this means. From here on out, it's going to be commentary. It's going to be my opinion. Observation number one, or at least opinion number one, we live in a world in which the needs and interests of the people hardly count for anything. We're told we have this big democracy, but we really don't have a democracy because a democracy would be where public opinion works its way into public policy. Instead, we have public policies that are at wide variance from public opinion. And then public opinion is not very well uh, informed by a functioning media. If we had a functioning democracy and a functioning media, then we would be well informed by the media and we would uh, take our uh, information and our opinions to the voting booth and we would be able to vote for potential elected officials that represent our interests and our needs, but that's not what we have. And so the environmental movement is the same way. We don't have a functioning democracy where we get to vote for people that represent our interests, and we don't have a functioning media that tells us the truth about what's going on. So even on environmental issues, we, you know, the, the, the environmental movement has been enthralled 
and captured by this philosophy that says, you know, if it that says it's clean energy if we say it's clean. If Madison Avenue says it's clean energy, then it must be clean energy. If Madison Avenue says it's clean vehicles, then they must be clean vehicles because we say they are. What we're not seeing is how the sausage is made. We're not seeing really the environmental impact of the lithium mine at Thacker Pass. We're not seeing the supposed benefits of clean vehicles or clean energy. The, the benefits of clean vehicles are much less than we are led to believe. The benefits of clean energy, so-called clean energy, are much less than we are led to believe. And the reason for that is that these things are just machines. A solar panel is just a machine. And it has to be built, and then it has, it has a useful life, and then it's going to go kaput, and then it, it, it's got to be, you know, you got to bring out new ones. A wind turbine is just a machine. You have to have metals and concrete and steel and plastic and roads and power lines to build it, and then it only has a certain useful life, and then it goes kaput, and a fraction of it will be recycled, but it is a small fraction that's ever going to be recycled. And for that matter, recycling itself is a, an energy-intensive process, and recycling is a polluting process. This is Hart Hagen. You're listening to The Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP, 106.5 FM, Louisville. So the environmental movement somehow has been drawn into this agenda that says we're going to build lots of solar panels, we're going to build lots of wind turbines, we're going to build lots of electric vehicles, and somehow that's going to be clean, green, and renewable But these things are just machines. It takes pollution and energy to build them. It takes pollution and energy to dispose of them. It takes pollution and energy to recycle them. So it's like you say, okay, Hart, you're just standing in the way of people wanting to do a good thing. You're standing in the way of the clean energy revolution. (laughs) If only I had that power. I don't have that power. I'm just a guy talking. But, you know, I'm kind of doing my part to stand in the way of a so-called clean energy revolution, which is, it's not clean energy. It's not energy that, you know, solar and wind don't produce very much power. So it's dirty, it's carbon intensive, it takes lots and lots of fossil fuels. It does not produce that much power. And we're told to believe that this is the future. So what should we do instead, Hart? I would say we, we have a choice between lowering our energy 75% or 100%. 75% to me would be a reasonable amount to lower our energy. 
and somebody might say, hey, Hart, does that mean I personally have to lower my energy by 75%? Well, we shouldn't be thinking about uh, strictly about energy. We should be thinking about well-being. Remember when I said we don't have a functioning democracy or a functioning media? These people are misleading us as to what would actually, truly, authentically lead to well-being. Why are we measuring well-being in terms of GDP? Why are we measuring our wealth or our health or our well-being by whether the economy grows 2% or 3% per year? Why are we doing that? Why are we not having a conversation about what we want? So I say lower our energy. And if we, if we had a conversation about what do we really want, then we could dispense with much of what's called defense. All of this militarism does not help the average person. If we had a conversation about what we really want, we might decide that we don't need all these cars. We'd probably need some of these cars, but we don't need all of these cars. There are so many things that take energy and create pollution that we would not want if we had a choice and if we had full knowledge of what our choices are. If we had full knowledge of what's really going on, there are so many things that are forced upon us that we would not want or need if we had a clear understanding of the facts. So we're talking about heart. What should we do instead of this clean energy rev revolution, which is not really clean, or these clean vehicles, which are not really clean. I would say, number one, get the facts about what's really going on with the climate. Get the facts about what the problem really is and what the solutions really are. No BS, no hogwash, no leading us down a garden path, but get the facts. It's just strictly speaking in terms of climate, I would say what the climate really needs is functioning ecosystems. We have a planet that is habitable because living ecosystems regulate the temperatures, regulate the rainfall and the water cycles. And it is those living systems that cycle the carbon. It's living systems that cycle the nutrients. And if we had living, you know, we, we've eliminated about half of the plant matter on earth. You know, we could let much of that plant matter grow back. The sun does most of the work. If you want to talk about bringing solar power to bear on solving these problems, then we will let the sun shine on the plants. We will let the plants grow back. We will let the plants absorb water so that in any given space, there's water flowing through an ecosystem that is going to regulate uh, temperatures. That is going to prevent floods. That is going to prevent droughts. That is going to provide habitat for the species that are currently dying off 
at a rate of 150 per day. The solutions are not that complicated, but we have led down a garden path. And if you, you know what happens after you get led down a garden path. Oh, look at the time. Bye now.